Hey everyone, welcome back. Hey, I'm Regan. I'm Jess. And this is You Pick, We Watch. You pick the movie and we take a deep dive into it, learning everything we can about your recommendation. Today is a very special day because we're talking about the 1997 film, The Fifth Element. Oh, I was so glad this came up last oh, week in too. The Wheel. Oh, it's, it just gets better every time you watch it. I wasn't sure if it, if that was going to be the case, but uh, you know what? Stay tuned to find out. <laughs> How long had it been since you had seen it? Um, I think the last time I saw it was probably like the the late two thousands. Yeah, also it'd so. been a while. It probably only has been like maybe three or four years for me. It's one that I pop in usually once or t- once like every couple of years. So. Okay. I, it was one of those movies where if I saw it on TV, I'd kind of drop everything and just watch that. <laughs> nice. Um, let's get into some news. I, I got a couple things uh, that I found out this week. Um, there is Jennifer Hudson is playing Aretha Franklin in her in the biopic Respect. And that got a new trailer this week. So um, oh. and anybody that knows Jennifer Hudson, she won an Oscar for Dreamgirls. And she was on American Idol, but I think the Oscar's better. You know, it's funny because uh, you said Jennifer Hudson, and for some reason, I immediately thought of Kate Hudson. I was like, oh, that, that's a bold choice. That was a bold choice. Kate Hudson playing Aretha Franklin? <laughs> that <would> be- <laughs> Yeah. I was trying to wrap my head around that prospect as you were talking. It just never really happened. That would be... <laughs> I would pay to see that just to see what it was. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the other one I have, I have uh, Seth Rogen is set to produce a new animated uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie, um, but it's going to be CG like the 2007 movie was. Um, that's hmm. probably my favorite TMNT movie besides Secret of the Ooze, honestly. Okay, well, that's pretty cool. So that'll be fun. Seth Rogen's really cool. Um, and then something quick coming up, uh, Charlize Theron has a new action movie coming out on Netflix on July 10th called The Old Guard. Um, it is a story that focuses on a pack of mercenaries who are all secretly century-old immortals, able to heal from any wound, but are forced to live alone and avoid relationships to protect their secret. Just as they find another immortal who has awakened, they realize someone is onto their secret and they have to fight for freedom before their new enemy figures out how to replicate their powers. Oh, wow. Yeah. Huh. I only watched like 30 seconds of the trailer because I didn't want to spoil it because I really like Shirley's Theron. So I'm like, all right, July 10th. That's my that's what I'm doing. I, I also really like her. And I noticed that she was in that movie when I was just looking up stuff about her. And I'm, it didn't list the plot, though, on the page I was looking. So I saw she was like so-and-so of Scythia. And I was like, yo, that's that's old. That's like 500 BC old. And then yeah. I just could not figure out what that movie's about. Well, that's cool. Yeah, so that'll be pretty fun. Um, anything, Pa? I know you were on vacation most of the week, right? How was that? Yes. Oh, that was fantastic. Just got out in the middle of the woods. Had a, had a really chill time. Nice. Good. You beat the heat. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So I have a really awesome get to know you question today. <laughs> Bring it on. Tell us the story of getting your multi-pass. I mean, your driver's <laughs> license. <laughs> Uh, Okay, so that's not too exciting for me, but what surprised me was on my driving test, I, when I was parallel parking, I bumped the curb like twice, like just very gently, and then tried to fix it and then bumped it again, and then got it on the third time. And I still got my permit, which was, that surprised me. Wow. Lucky. Yeah, I don't know if like my instructor was drunk that morning, but he (laughs) didn't. I don't think he noticed. Um, I have a pretty good story. I went for my first test and I wasn't driving a car that I was familiar with because I didn't have one at the time. So I was using my aunt's and instead of putting the car in reverse, I put it in drive 
and I hit the <laughs> barrier in front of me. Like I just I bumped it. And then <laughs> I like looked at him and he's like, Yeah, you're done. And I just started crying. <laughs> oh no. You've I failed already my, failed. Yeah, I failed my first time without even getting out of the parking lot. Oh um, no. And then the next time I went, I got it. Um there were no issues. I got it on my second try. So <laughs> I was, like, well, at least there's a happy ending. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. Multipass. Lulu. Lulu Dallas multipass. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the overview of uh, Fifth Element, it is, I don't even think it really explains what's going on, but in the colorful future, a cab driver unwittingly becomes the central figure in a search for a legendary cosmic weapon to keep evil and Mr. Zorg at bay. <laughs> and I, I think <laughs> that if is you very broad level. Yeah. And if you like just heard that, you would think you were going to watch like, uh, I would think like an animated like movie. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds about right. Right. Um, do you want to go over the plot for it? Oh, I <laughs> I don't think I could if I'm being honest. <laughs> essentially, essentially this cosmic evil shows up. Um, some aliens show up. Some of them are good. Some of them are bad. Um, uh, Bruce Willis has to shoot some things, save some people, and uh, Chris Tucker's in a dress. I love it. Oh, it's, hello, I, Chris Tucker. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of those movies where, again, like I'd I'd need to create like a a separate like ten minute explanation of all the <laughs> things that are happening, just because it's not that it's too complicated. The concepts are just kind of out there, you know. I have that actually written down, and somewhere on my page is that there's so much going on, but if you just like have fun with it, you you'll get it. And it um, it is a fun movie too. That's why I like it. It's so much fun. There really isn't a boring or like slow moment. I think the slowest moment would probably be the the opera scene. But even during that, you're getting uh, a fight scene. Yeah, it's edited really well. It's edited amazingly. Um, there are so many parts in that in the movie where you're getting multiple storylines. <laughs> all edited together and you get all the different people going on. It's so good. I can't remember the name of the technique, but uh, one of my favorite scenes in the movie is when Zorg's trying to make the, you know, weapons deal with the aliens for the stones. And he realizes that they're not there. And then it cuts to Lilu laughing about how they sent them off somewhere else to keep them safe. Like the way they keep crisscrossing, from like him asking questions and her giving answers is one of the best that's probably the best my favorite scene of the movie anyway yeah it's definitely up there for me i had that um i would thought about that as i was watching it i was like wow this is cut together so the timing of it was so good um <laughs> that you can't really it's just yeah you just have fun with it um also i've realized that um there's a few times whenever I give explanations about movies I like, where I say, like, certain scenes are my favorite scenes of the movie, and then about two minutes later, talk about my other scene that is my favorite scene of the movie. Like, it's... I... I, uh, I guess don't trust me that it's my favorite <laughs> scene. The whole thing is your favorite scene. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, there, like we said, I said, there's not really a bad scene in this movie even in the beginning like you the very beginning you don't know if you're gonna watch a comedy or like something that's taking or, or being serious it it rides so. that line like the entire movie too and that's again one of the things i love about it yeah um you know how when we were talking about uh i can't even remember the movie now but it, we were talking about how it changes like halfway through to a different oh. type of movie. Yes. I feel like this does that too. Like you start off as a sci-fi adventure. You don't really know what's going on. And then you get like full on action right in like the end of the second act, beginning of the third. And then you get like a love story. Yeah. Uh, this movie is kind of a moving target like that. Yeah. 
Absolutely. So let's get to talking about the people in this movie. It was so many people in this movie. And I know we're going to probably miss a couple, but we'll hit the main guys. Um, the director, writer-director. Are you familiar with him? I am, actually. I figured you would be because he's French. And you seem to have a handle on a lot of the French guys we watch. <laughs> it was just <laughs> Denis Villeneuve. That's that's the only <laughs> that's the only guy I know about, and he's Canadian. <laughs> but um, yes, I, I I am familiar with his work. Yeah, I have not seen any of his work actually. Um, Joan of Arc and Lucy are the two that I like put down. Uh, Luke mm. Besson is the writer-director. Um, and yeah. I have a, a fun little tidbit about why Mila Jovovich was in Joan of Arc after mm. we get <laughs> down there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, did you see Lucy? I did, actually. Um, was not a fan, but I enjoyed it enough, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> It's well on my list of things, but I feel like, I don't know. I, I think there's a reason why I didn't watch it, and I've waited for a while. But it just may be because I don't like Scarlett Johansson that much. So. Oh, that's hilarious, because I was about to say, I liked it. <laughs> like, the, the thing I did like about it was Scarlett Johansson was in it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll look at her any day. Yeah, that's true. Um... Bruce Willis, obviously, plays our, our main guy, Corbin Dallas. Um, this is almost diehard in space in some points. Yeah, so, sort of. He's great. You don't need to really talk about what he's done because he just... He does have the same facial expression, I think, in a lot of his hmm. movies. You know what I appreciate, though, is in the... in all, like Almost all of his roles in the 90s, he genuinely seems to be having a good time making movies. And then around like 2010, um, he, I think he blew up in some interview or something about being like typecast as like an action hero or something and how he doesn't <laughs> just want to do that. And then after that moment, everyone's like, yeah, whatever, Bruce Willis, you're still being in action movies. But yeah. he, he genuinely seemed to have a good time filming this. Like, I just, I don't know. I like seeing that. Yeah, there are definitely some parts. He does he does comedy really well, and you wouldn't really expect that because he is typecast in action movies. Yeah. Um, but that all started from him being in like that TV show back in the day, which I can't remember. I want to say Moonlight or something. Oh, that's no, probably think, not it. I actually I think that might be it. Yeah, something like that. Um, and he didn't. He was trying so hard to make the jump to action movies or to movies. And that's when he got cast in Die Hard, and that's when he got typecast as uh, action hero. Huh. So, I'll well, if, circle. <laughs> if anyone is uh, interested in a more comedic role of his, it's a silly movie from '92 that actually holds up really well. It's called Death Becomes Her. Yes. Oh, if you've ever seen that, it's oh, so good. Good, good lord, that's yeah. a that's a fun ride. And of all people, Meryl Streep and Goldie Hawn are in it. Yeah, and it, it I would D made me my wife made me buy it um when at the beginning of quarantine when we were just going through a bunch of movies that she wanted to make me watch and I watched it and I was like how have I never seen this movie before? <laughs> uh, so it is hilarious. It is really good. Go check it out. Um Mila Jovovich plays Lilu. Um most people nowadays probably know her for, as Alice from the 9,000 Resident Evil movies that are out. <laughs> um, but fun little fact about it, this was her first role in four years. Um, the one before that had been, she was in Dazed and Confused in 93. Oh, wow. So she like stopped doing movies for like four years. Pretty crazy. I didn't know that. Yeah. Huh. And I don't think, we. I have more on her later too out of a whole bunch of things but oh. oh yeah i don't think i could picture anybody else playing that role yeah same thing with bruce willis too at least yeah at least as far as i'm concerned 
Yeah, I think the casting was spot on in this. Um, Gary Oldman, obviously, plays a eccentric villain Zorg. Um, the name alone, I can't take seriously, but <laughs> Gary Oldman is a is a chameleon as well. We talked about that a lot. He really is, and he's one of my favorite parts of this movie. Like he's so, uh, man, eccentric is probably the best <laughs> word but it's it's so crazy because like five five no three four years ago he won like the best actor oscar and it's just weird to see him like in an earlier role as he's like sort of making his name being zorg in the fifth element who's kind of like a, a, a ludicrous character yeah it's it's so weird rumor has it that gary oldman can't remember his original accent either because he's changed his voice so much. Yeah. So I would like him to walk around with Zorg's voice. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, uh, oh man, it's like a cross between like menacing and Colonel Sanders. Yeah. Yep. That's excellent. (laughs) (laughs) Um. I didn't realize that the guy that played the monk Cornelius was Ian Holm. So this was actually a good uh, week for us to watch this because he just passed away a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Um, I really did like his his uh, performance in this movie. And it's funny, bec- before I watched it this last time, I didn't know who he was. And uh, it turns out he's old uh, Bilbo in Lord of the Rings, which is exactly where I know him from. Yep, he was also Ash in Alien. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. He, he was, wasn't he? He was. Um, and that's why I think I I don't think I like recognized him when I've watched it before cuz he he looks a lot different in this movie. Um, it's facial hair, men in facial hair. You guys are two different people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's I always look at it like um when when ladies dye their hair a different color, it's really hard for me to recognize them again. And then when dudes shave their beards, it's yeah, whole other person. Yep. Um and finally we already talked to him about about him a little bit, Chris Tucker as uh Ruby Road, hypersexualized <laughs> DJ who made live streaming and podcasting cool before it was even a thing. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, nail on the head right there. Oh, I miss, I miss that guy. I just love as like everything's going down. He's ladies and gentlemen, ladies, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I don't know what's yeah. going on. <laughs> it's it's oh. when he says Corbin like a hundred times <laughs> yeah. in the in the temple. Why do I get the broken one? I always get the broken one. <laughs> <laughs> he's really good at talking very quickly but you can still understand him yeah yeah he um yeah there's one other person i could picture in that role and I'll, we can talk about that yeah, when yeah. we get oh, yeah. into that so um so was your favorite character ruby road i i felt like i was rooting for bruce willis like the whole time but for the most entertaining character definitely ruby road yeah, I think I think definitely he was my favorite with Lilu, <laughs> a close second. Just uh, oh yeah, how she is like in the beginning ish. So she's really good at portraying uh, like a fish out of water kind of um, performance in this movie. Like it's a very uh, clash of cultures kind of a deal. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I know that there were some other bit like two bit actors in there. <laughs> Um, so go check out, go check everybody out on there. Cause everybody did such a great job on stuff. Um, so, but those are the main guys that you'll want to see. Uh, let's move on to the meat and potatoes of this, all the, the background stuff. Um, this was nominated for an Oscar in the 1998, uh, Oscars. It That's was nominated right. Yeah, for best effects, sound effects, editing. Unfortunately, Titanic came out that same year. (laughs) (laughs) So Titanic swept all the technical categories. I think they walked away with seven, six or seven in the technical category (laughs) side. 
So, yeah, well, I mean, it was a Titanic movie. <laughs> I'll see myself. <laughs> yeah. Um, I refuse to watch Titanic. I've actually never seen it. <laughs> I so. caught like 75%-ish on TV, and it was good. It's just, you know when you're watching a movie and you don't want to like it, but it begrudgingly makes you feel like, ah, okay, you know what? I see what everyone sees about this. Um, I do not feel that way about this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Fair. Yeah, it's a a running joke here that I I don't watch that. But also, I I have not seen a lot of James Cameron movies other than his early stuff like Terminator and whatnot. Um, I'll just say... Like probably it. what I know him most for is being like the king of action sequels. Yeah. Like yeah, Aliens, he, he T2. That. that and being the Avatar guy. Yeah, I've never seen Avatar either. Um, and I refuse to see that as well. Mostly <laughs> because I don't like James Cameron as a person. So... Oof. That's yeah, what I... I, I've never accused him as uh, being a good person, but <laughs> damned if I won't watch his movies. Right. <laughs> All right. Uh, what do you got? Well, um, so the the Mondo Shawans, the big doofy looking aliens are the good guys, apparently had to have actors that were at least 6'9 operate the suits. And uh, it took three people 20 minutes to dress just one of them. And I guess uh, those huge costumes were so hot. Um, and also, there was no way to look out of them. So they actually had to install uh, TV monitors on the inside so the actors could sort of see where they were going. And the first scene we actually like sort of see them in is when they're all kind of waddling down the temple hallway. And apparently that was a nightmare to shoot because uh, the crew had to have walkie-talkies to guide the actors to like make sure they weren't tripping over each other, bumping into walls, walking the wrong way kind of a thing. Yeah, you know what they reminded me of as soon as I saw them? Hmm. Uh, the Goombas from Super Mario Brothers, the movie. Oh my god. You're right. Yeah. Them, and then there was something else that reminded me of them too, but it was definitely the Goombas that like all i could think about was the goombas in the elevator like when they get them dancing and how they yeah. walk like I, I just laughed but those are pretty <laughs> cool like all the, the heads on those uh those machines that they wore like yeah it was all controlled by robots and the guys inside couldn't even see it was really cool this movie had a lot of practical effects too oh yeah Oh, yeah. And again, that's for me, at least a lot of uh, practical scenes like that is part of the reason why it really holds up for me as a movie. Yeah, I think the effects definitely hold up in this movie. I think the one scene that didn't hold up um, is when the fi- the that big fireball going through space like takes out the ship in the beginning and you see the skull mm. in the fire. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that was... That was dumb. <laughs> yeah, it reminded me of Spawn, and I was like, "Get the Spawn stuff out of out of my face." Another scene that doesn't hold up as well as it did, but I still really like it, is when they're like re like cloning her body from the the like severed hand that they have left. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't look like great CGI, but it's still just a cool scene to like watch it happen. Yeah, it did look like dated CGI. I'll give it that. Like it's not it's not bad CGI, it's just dated. Yeah. Yeah, you can definitely most I think the when they had like before they put the skin on and it's just like all muscle. Yeah. And then the bones kind of looked metallic y. Almost yep. like uh uh Terminator two guy <laughs> when he's all liquidy. Jess, are you saying that this is actually <laughs> a far-flung Terminator movie in the future? It could be. Am I saying that? <laughs> are, are you saying that? <laughs> it, it could be. <laughs> One could dive into that and figure it out. I but feel like... I, 
No, go ahead. If you argue hard enough, I feel like you could prove almost any point. As yeah. as weak or strong as it could be. Um, I would prefer to call it a Blade Runner almost <laughs> thing. So glad you said that. Because <laughs> I was going to say that the exterior shots of New York City were actually, just like Blade Runner, miniatures. Which is why <laughs> they look so great. Yep. They were what, like... Took like nine months to build that city. Oh, I, I think didn't know is that. what I read. Uh, I say. buy that. I got like a hundred things up. Oh, uh, yeah, it was. I think it took nine, six or nine months to like have everything built correctly. And I'd buy that because a lot of detail went into that. Oh, here we go. 80 workers, five months to build all the models. Oof. So that's a lot of money. They should do a, uh, they should do a Kaizen on that and make that a little better. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. Uh, um, there is a, um, an honest trailer that was just put out three weeks ago for fifth element um so when i was doing my research that was like the first thing i watched on youtube and they do a a really good job of like making it seem like a blade runner-esque type movie so um check that out on youtube honest trailers are hilarious anyway so i'm so, I'm so angry i missed that <laughs> i'm surprised it just, like they just did it so it's pretty fun you know what's side wild? note my favorite my favorite honest trailers are Frozen and just Frozen. Frozen <laughs> is honestly my favorite one. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to give that a look. It's crazy because uh, this this movie actually still has like a 7.7 7 out of 10 on IMDb. Yeah, I think on... Um, where was it? Metacritic only has it at a 56, though, I think, which I don't I really. Like that's... Yeah, that's, 52 that's from solid. Metacritic. Yeah. I don't know. I give it. I, I like it way more than that. So, yeah, uh, I, I feel like a lot of movies that I end up liking that are at least original in some aspects end up being like around the the mid-range of that like 50s to 70s somewhere in there yeah so the 90s was a great time for original movies yeah you're not kidding so good um the divine language spoken by lilu um at the beginning was actually created uh invented by luke besson um and refined by mila jovovich um she had little trouble learning and developing it she was already fluent or she is already fluent in like four languages and that this one only had like 400 words so mm. by the end of it he luke and mila were having conversations and wrote letters to each other and we could see where this is going <laughs> they could have full conversations in this secret language and they got married pretty much right after this movie wrapped um, in Las Vegas. And he was actually married at the time to the lady that portrayed the opera singer Diva in real life while they were filming. Or they were engaged, something like that. Um, but they were, he was already dating somebody when this <laughs> happened. So wonder what they were talking about. <laughs> I'm going to bet doing it. <laughs> absolutely um, so um, actually that's a perfect segue uh, because uh, when the diva is first on stage and she's doing her like operatic number um, you notice a lot of reactions from the, the um, actors watching her are kind of like stunned and um, very impressed and like amazed and that's because that was the first time that they actually saw her. So she was kept out of everyone's, you know, sight, kind of you know, like kept in the background until it was her time to actually shoot the scene. And that was the first time that they saw her. 
That's awesome. I didn't know that. Um, it's also not her voice. Um, her the um, singer was dubbed over her, so it's somebody else. It's an actual opera singer singing, uh, but the notes are so high. Um, it's one of the hardest operas to sing, and when the when it was composed, um, Eric Serra showed soprano. Um, she's a soprano. I, in Inva Mula, who is the voice of the diva, um, she smiled at him and told him that some of the notes were not humanly possible because the human voice can't change notes that fast. So she actually hmm. had to sing individual notes like one by one and then they had to digitize it and then fit them all back together to make it sound that and there are a few moments I can't hear it because I am tone deaf and I get told that all the time. But uh, you can, if you're really good with music and opera, you can hear the differences in the vocal tones um, when that's going on. So, Wow, that, that is a lot of effort put into that scene. Yeah. Um, that whole scene is what made me watch Repo Genetic Opera yesterday because I was like, there are a lot of similarities between that and the final scene in that movie. Um, and I was like, Pam, I got to watch, I got to watch more opera stuff. <laughs> I need to watch more operas. Something I never thought I'd say in 2020. Yeah. <laughs> but I thought that was pretty, pretty cool. Um, yeah. That they can do that. So, so I, I remember we said that, um, Almost everyone was perfect for their role, and you couldn't really see anyone, you know, being cast differently. But mm -hmm. apparently, uh, before Chris Tucker was considered for the role, Prince almost got cast as uh -huh. Ruby Road. Um, That's the only other person I could see doing it, too. He, absolutely. And what's funny is he actually turned down the part because he didn't like the costumes, he thought they were too feminine. Prince <laughs> thought those costumes were too feminine. Which I find hilarious. Has uh, Prince seen himself in Purple Rain? <laughs> I, I don't think so. You don't see yourself while you're doing it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess Chris Tucker actually based his performance on a combination of like Prince and Michael Jackson. Yeah, I, I can totally see that. He, he just does that role. It's so good. <laughs> there, and it can go either way, though. Like, if you are not a fan of that humor you're going to hate that character so much and he's going to be so annoying to you. Yeah, that could be easily annoying. And I will say that even though I like so many things about this movie, there are so many, like, at least design choices that are just bizarre. <laughs> Where, mm -hmm. I, you know, as far as, like, costumes or set pieces, some things are just, like, they seem, I, I don't know, just otherworldly from the 90s, which I guess hits the mark of what they were going for. Yeah, that also may have to do with Jean-Paul Gaultier, who was the costume designer um, for some of the stuff. I'm not sure if all of it, but most of it. But he was the person that created the cone bra for Madonna. Um, so that mm -hmm. tells you something right there. Oh, it's all he, coming together now. Yeah, <laughs> that's the missing piece of the puzzle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, he designed, I think, I believe a lot of other Madonna outfits, too, and worked with her really closely. Um, so he kind of pulled from that. And then during one of the scenes, he personally checked like the costumes of over 500 extras, um, used in one of the scenes. Like I, I'm pretty sure it was on the, when they're on the cruise ship. So wow. yeah, that's dedication right there. <laughs> yeah, I should say so. Speaking of that cruise ship, um, so Towards the towards the back half of the movie, when the uh, Mangalore aliens are taking over the ship, and there's a big shootout with Bruce Willis, they actually have the largest explosion ever filmed on a soundstage, and it got so out of control that it had to be evacuated and took 20 minutes to put out, which is awesome. Um, and again, it's one of those practical effects that looks really well because you're not you know using cgi to try to make it look normal but it's not really working out the way you want it to 
I despise fire CGI in the 90s. <laughs> well, understandably so. It's awful. Um, there was also a scene, I don't know if it was the same one, um, but there was another explosion scene where the stuntmen missed their cue and they jumped to like half a second or a second too late and they got engulfed in the flames and you can actually see it in the uh, movie. There's like three of them standing up and you see the flame come out and one of the guys is like right in the middle of it, like still stuck in there because they missed their timing. So they yeah. had to be put out after. <laughs> <laughs> and again, when I was watching the movie again, I thought like, wow, that actually looks really good. That's I, I wonder how they did that. Funny that it turns yeah. out to be an accident. Right. Um, they actually made the, I don't know how many they made, but they made at least one of the cars, the police cars, like they had a model of it that they used. So that was cool. For the um, in the city when they're doing the the cop chase scene and stuff, yeah, that is cool. Um, you know, um, Lilu's hair is dyed a very bright orange in the film. Uh, they actually dyed Mila Jovovich's hair for a lot of the shooting. Uh, I think she's naturally brown, so they had to like repeatedly dye her hair. And eventually that damaged her hair to the point where they had to make a wig for the rest of the filming. I didn't notice at any point, like it didn't seem like she was wearing a wig, but now I feel like my brain's going to like subconsciously be on the lookout for that. See, and I don't usually notice things like that. And I noticed that something was off like on some scenes because some scenes Hmm. you can like see her roots, her blonde roots really well. In other scenes, you can't, and then like the it's dreaded a little differently in some scenes, and I don't usually see that stuff, and so it surprised me that I I did notice that a little bit, but yeah, I could imagine your hair falling out after like four <laughs> times of dying it that color. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that doesn't seem good for uh, healthy hair. <laughs> um, speaking of Miljovic, her she beat out. 3,000 other women who auditioned for the role of uh, Lilu. And Ooh. he, Luke Besson, cast her because, and you touched on this a little bit, uh, Mila has the physical thing. She can be from the past or the future. She can be an Egyptian or a Roman. She can be Nefertiti and she can be from outer space. That's the one thing I liked physically about her. And you liked a lot more than just that. Buddy. Yeah, I was about to say. I was about to say, that sounds like a dude in love before he knows yep. he's in love. And that goes on. Uh, they did, they literally did Joan of Arc um, the next year, which was critically panned, I believe. Yeah, she, I think she went on like an interview stating that, um, that, because they actually divorced after that movie. And yeah. they said that if uh, if they just could make movies together for the rest of their lives, they'd still be married because they have such great like on set chemistry and all that. But apparently um, when they're not, uh, they don't. Yeah, um, well, let's let's talk a little bit. Let's let's pause and talk a little <laughs> bit about Mila for a second and her personal life, because this is pretty interesting. Um, most people, so like, like she says, she speaks a lot of different languages. She's Eastern European. Um, she does that. She, when she, now, right now she's married to Paul W.S. Anderson, who she met filming Resident Evil. Who is also not Wes Anderson. Right. Who is not Wes Anderson, which I sometimes confuse sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) That's a callback. (laughs) Um, they were on and off again, and they've done like seven Resident Evil movies together. Oops. So, and they have three kids. So I'm assuming they're pretty set right now. But prior to that, her she married her first on-screen boyfriend, Sean Andrews, while filming Dazed and Confused. Um, and then she met um another guy. That was very short-lived. And then she met Luke Besson and married him. Like, she jumps from movies and men. 
the same way. So if she's doing a new series after Resident Evil, let's see who's directing. <laughs> you can probably find out who she'll be with. Hmm. But I kind of I thought yeah. that was kind of funny about her. That is that she like married her directors like three times. <laughs> but she's awesome. I love her. I love her as Alice. So. Yeah, she's she's great, and I especially enjoy her in this movie too. Like again, she plays like this particular part extremely well. Like, it just comes off as really genuine. Yeah. Um. That first scene where she's like brought to life and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um. She actually hit her head. Like that's that part where you can see she hits her head and then like falls down. That was actually like really hitting her head. Oof. She looked like she banged that hard, too. <laughs> Again, these real effects, when you do it for real, man, that looks good. <laughs> um, I was watching something, and it reminded me of something that's like, how do you think actors feign terror in a movie? Like, you know how she, like, she screams when she mm-hmm. that flash goes off and, yeah. like, becomes disoriented? Like, how... I don't think I could feign being scared like that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I guess maybe... So here's what I'm thinking. You find a group of people and then pay them to just, like, have you observe them and just keep throwing snakes at them. They're going to be scared. And then you're like, okay, I just need to act like that. Perfect. Well, I guess that's why I call it acting. Modern solutions. (laughs) (laughs) um also in the cast gary oldman um is actually a really good friend of luke besson and he took the part without reading the script (laughs) because (laughs) uh besson partly financed his movie old um gary oldman's movie nil by mouth which was also in 1997 which i'd never heard of or seen um but when asked in a, in a 2014 interview if, if Oldman liked the movie, he stated, oh, no, I can't bear it. <laughs> um, in 2011, he said, it was me singing for my supper because Luke had come in and partly financed my film. It's funny because that role kind of feels like that. But at the same time, I don't ever get the impression that like Gary was phoning it in, you know? No, I don't think Gary knows how to phone it in. (laughs) Yeah, no, I think you're right. I like that we're on a first name basis with him. Yeah, Gary, you know, we go way back, back to 97. (laughs) Um, The bonus fact is uh, he and Bruce Willis also never share any screen time, even though they're essentially like a main protagonist and the villain. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, that again goes into like editing and everything like that whole scene as he's coming out and going in, you're just like, man, that's, it just kind of, I'm sure there's a really deep meaning to it, or it could just be that Besson just didn't want them in the same scene. (laughs) Yeah. And oh, well, you know what? Yeah. I was, I was going to say that, um, this originally was supposed to be a trilogy, but it didn't perform as well as expected. And I was going to say, like, oh, maybe that would have been a confrontation down the road. And then I remembered Gary Oldman, like, blows up <laughs> in the yeah. movie. So <laughs> that kind of takes the wind out of my sails. Yeah. It's that that scene, too, where he, like, slowly, like, he puts his card in. And then he, he like, breathes a sigh of relief. And then, like, the other guys pop their thing up and like how did how did they know there was going to be five seconds left like yeah yeah, that's a that's a really well edited scene yeah that's convenient writing um (laughs) luke besson actually wrote this he wrote the like very first draft back when he was in school because he was bored (laughs) yeah i think he grew up in like rural france and didn't really have an exciting life and uh he kind of channeled that into writing really exciting futuristic stories yep um you talked about the how it didn't do as well as expected so the budget for this movie was the largest budget in 
that for that time period, I believe. Um, it was a $93 million and it, um, it was mostly for like the special effects work and everything. It did open number one in the U S earning $17 million that weekend. Um, however, most of its money came from overseas in Germany and France, um, where they got um, a certificate award for selling more than 3 million tickets. And it also became the highest French film in the foreign box office and held that record for 16 years until the uh, Untouchables came out in 2011. Oh, wow. Um, it <laughs> ended up only making $63 million in the U.S. Um, so it needed that worldwide exposure because then it, it got up to $264 million. Yeah, I was going to say, I did notice that it more than doubled its, uh, like the net was more than double the budget. But I feel like a, a, a lot of the time what saves movies like that, that don't really do so well domestically is, you know, those foreign markets. Like I, I can feel some uh, blockbusters that come out within recent years kind of also market a little towards China, because if you don't do so well domestically, if it takes off in China, you're going to make all your money back and more. Oh, yeah. Uh, China's a huge market. That's why they change movies um, to take out certain scenes and edit around things if they feel it's going to offend um, the, that area of the world. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to see if anything else came out close to that time um the lost world came out two weeks later so that may have had something to do with like the fifth element just like take like leaving theaters right after that probably because huh. it was you know, number also... one for for two weeks so mm, i mean that's pretty good yeah what also it... came out in 97 was uh the Ethan Hawke movie Gattaca, which it, it, parts of it don't hold up as well as you'd like, but ends up being a really cool movie. And another movie on our list um, that hopefully gets picked this week, or The Mummy, just saying, uh, Starship Troopers <laughs> actually came out later oh. that year. So um, that's cool. 97, I'm looking at like the box office list of box office numbers for 97 from the number ones and wow it was yeah that was a good year it was a good year they also re-released um star wars the original trilogy hmm. um in february and march liar liar came out anaconda came out which was amazing <laughs> uh volcano lost world con air i can't believe speed 2 was number <laughs> one Con Air. Oh my gosh. Wait, Con Speed Air, 2 is number then, one? Yeah, Speed 2 was number one June 15th, 1997. $16 million. Boy, were those people disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet they felt duped. Um, and then you had back to back to back right here. Batman and Robin, Face Off, Men in Black, Air Force One. Wow. And then 97 in the summer was crazy. Huh. I've That's... I've noticed I've noticed that 97 and 99 are really good years for movies because I remember uh, I think The Mummy came out in 99. Yep. And then if I'm not mistaken, The Matrix also came out in 99. Yeah, I believe so. It's a, that's huh. why I love doing this. Like it leads us down these other rabbit holes that you can see in the industry. Oh yeah. So much good stuff. Um, I think that was all that I had. That was all I had for um, fun facts. I know you probably have a couple more. As always, I have two more. <laughs> yes. So uh, Besson apparently wanted Bruce Willis as a star, but since so many things in the beginning were touch and go, his second choice was actually Mel Gibson. And I feel like that might have been a bit of a different field in the movie. Um, yeah. 
But then again, would have been a like... real different fail. <laughs> um, now I have to look and see when What Women Want came out. Um, I think that was 2000. You were right. Nice. I was saying I, I maybe, was... maybe he was trying to be like in a comedic zone for a little while. <laughs> I will say that I, I do appreciate Mel Gibson as an actor. Again, I would never accuse him of being a good person, but man, it's like that dude can be really charismatic in like movies and really knock it out of the park when he wants to. Yeah, when he wants to work, he he will show up and he will put his time in. Um, Braveheart is an amazing movie. That's, I think, my go-to Mel Gibson flick. Yeah, and as as a huge history fan, I know it. There's so many historical inaccuracies in it, but I still love it in spite of all of that. It's still one of the one of the best, like one of my favorite medieval movies. I'd say. Yeah, I would. Uh, I would have to agree with that. Um, that's a hard time period to kind of pull off. I think just because of the way battles were done the amount of just stuff back then. And I think the show, the tutors did a really good job about from that time period. I think like if we take that time period as a whole. Yeah. Yeah. That, that show did a, that did a pretty good job actually. Um, If if you're looking, if you're looking for something up that alley, um, the Netflix movie outlaw King with uh chris pine as robert the bruce that actually ended up being pretty good very good and my uh last fact here is that luke basson demanded that most of the action shots in the movie take place in broad daylight as he was reportedly tired of dark spaceship corridors and dimly lit planets common in science fiction movies and wanted a uh, brighter cheerfully crazy look as opposed to a gloomy realistic one and i think that fits the movie so well if you had dark sets i don't think the comedy would come off as good 100 percent um like could you imagine the whole opera scene or like that whole ship not being like as colorful as it was oh yeah and that that phrase like gleefully crazy like you're cheerfully crazy that fits the whole movie rather well more or less yeah the whole uh it's pretty much that whole ship scene that is hilarious and crazy as soon as you get introduced to ruby road you're on (laughs) you're on like a different train man oh yeah as soon as ruby road comes out trains off the rails I'm just replaying him in my head. Corbin, 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 Corbin. (laughs) (laughs) Again, I miss Chris Tucker. I wish he was in more things. Yeah, he's taking a break. Doesn't he got Rush Hour 4 coming? Yeah, he took a huge break, and I don't know if that was voluntary or not, but yeah, I just remember I saw him for the first time in like a decade in Silver Linings Playbook, which was a pretty decent movie. And uh, yeah, I think now he's got two or three movies in the works, but one of them is Rush Hour 4, which is great, because I also miss Jackie Chan. Yeah, wow. I don't even remember him in Silver Linings Playbook, but it's probably been... it's. I probably watched it in 2012, so it's probably been eight years. Yeah, makes sense. There was a it's good... Not, there was a, go ahead. It's not like he has a super huge role in that movie, either. He's like a, a quick kind of support character that you see, like, maybe in two different parts of the movie. Oh. Yeah. I went through a... That was when Jennifer Lawrence had, like, her back-to-back-to-back-back movies with um, the director of Silver Linings Playbook. Yeah. David O. Russell. So I was really enjoying her movies for a while. Not Hunger Games. (laughs) I I did enjoy that when it came out, but... At this point in my life, I don't really have a desire to ever go back to those. Yeah. Another fact, I've never seen any of the Harry Potters. Just kidding. I saw the second one because I was tricked. And I know (laughs) Rolo is probably going to be upset with me. But I'm sorry. (laughs) I will never see them. 
So here's the thing. The first two, I okay, so I will admit, growing up, I never watched almost any of them until I had a girlfriend that was a big fan, and I ended <laughs> up watching, like, the last one. And the last one by itself, like, made me reevaluate where I stand on that series. So with my wife, I actually ended up watching them all together. The first two, I will say, you know, the actors are real young. There's, you know, world building, but it's not, like... I wouldn't say it's too interesting, but then number three hits and it gets like the tone gets way darker in a hurry. And after that point, it is very interesting. I'll take everybody's word for it. (laughs) Someone write us in. Make Jess watch these. (laughs) Oh, God, what have I done? Oh, quick, let's move on to thumbs. <laughs> um, uh, do you want to go, go first? first. You, I'll go, you first? go first. Okay. All right. I think uh, it's pretty clear by my tone that I absolutely love this movie. It's probably one of my favorites from the 90s. And as we just said, the 90s have so many movies in it. And I'll probably say this again when Starship Troopers comes up mm-hmm. or The Mummy or anything else from that time period. Um, I just really love 90s movies um, it has action it's, com- it's comedic it's great writing it's great directing the editing is awesome the visual effects do hold up really well with the exception of a couple small spots um, if you really want to understand everything in it I do think it takes a couple times to watch it um, but if you just go in you want to watch like you want to throw on something and have fun and catch some good one-liners um then this is definitely a movie for you and it's a really great ride uh so i i give it two thumbs up definitely um also mila jovovich wears barely anything in the beginning so just throw that in there <laughs> hey <laughs> uh, and it's really great to see her get her start because i i truly believe this is her first good action ish movie um, that kind of propels her into becoming Alice and running a full a full franchise through seven movies. Like not a lot of people can do that. Uh, Hugh Jackman can, but <laughs> not not a lot of women run full franchises. So it's really good to see that. So yeah, I give it two thumbs up. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, I mean she starred in Resident Evil in two thousand two, so that's not you know, too far before that. I really do think this is what got her to start. I will also say that it's a very fun movie. That it's got great comedic timing. It's got great performances in it. It doesn't take itself too seriously, which I think helps the movie, um, helps the tone of the movie. Um, if you were looking for a really fun 90s movie with some really crazy visuals, I'll say that a lot of the like costume designs are very strange at times, uh, the way that they took some design um, directions. Overall, though, I, I always do love this movie, and I'm always happy to watch it, and I'd give it two thumbs up. Yes. Very nice. I think... Oh, no. Inception... And Ready Player One have also grabbed our uh, two thumbs up uh, seals, seals of approvals. The the two thumbs up consensus? Yes. Very nice. Okay. So next week is our 10th episode. Ooh. So um, we are still going to, we're still going to pick a movie. Um, so we'll spin the wheel for that um, in a second because I have oh we have some mail too, um, real quick. Oh yeah, um, so you can message us on Facebook and send us a message like you would an email if you don't want to email. Um, so my mom, God bless her soul, <laughs> got in. So if you see a bunch of people commenting, my mom and my aunt like movies a lot, and they will be commenting. Um, so they have a lot of they are they've seen a lot of movies so i'm sure i'll get we'll get some uh older ones now too um they like a lot of war movies a lot of historical movies so they might actually throw one in there that you you'd like um they sound like great people 
Yeah. My, they're very, very into war movies. My stepdad won't watch. He doesn't like watching uh, movies not based on true stories. So if they're based on true stories, he, he enjoys them. And he's a military man himself. So um, they really do enjoy those. Um, but this one that my mom sent in, she says, My pick, Surveillance, starring Bill Pullman and Julia Orman. A story you won't see coming. And I was surprised that I haven't seen this just because my mom suggested it. So um, we added that to the list. And you guys can definitely send us a message on Facebook or email us at youpickwewatch at gmail. Um, but yeah, our 10th tenth episode. I don't think we've fully decided what we're doing yet. We're still doing some testing stuff. Um, but we'll, we'll pick a movie and we'll watch it. We might have a two-parter. We might do something special. Um, in addition to it, uh, we still have to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> See, so. It's the like back-to-back like birthday weekend and then holiday weekend that's really throwing me off. Yeah, and I'm just sitting here because <laughs> I'm still not back to work. So <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Um, but yeah, no, whatever it is, we'll have fun. Um, but if you guys have any cool things you want to say um, for our 10th episode, you can email those in. Um, if you want to say thanks or you like it. Um, if you don't like it, we probably won't read it out loud, but we'll still read it. We'll just read it in private and cry. <laughs> um, but yeah, so let's spin the wheel and see what we're uh, going to talk about next week. All right. And one, two, three. Beep, 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 beep. I swear to God, if Teeth gets picked this week, I'm going to be actually so mad. The fifth element again. Oh, man. This is this going to be a great two-parter. So we actually got The Mummy from 1999. I didn't even have to force it for the 10th episode. I am so excited. Oh my Me god, too. that's gonna be that's gonna be so much fun. So I much fun. I haven't watched that movie in like six months, so I'm due. Yeah, it's probably been oh it's probably been over a year for me, at least right now. Oh. Um there was a time, this is a nice little uh side story. I was visiting uh my mom back home in Maine and I was, we were flipping through channels and they had this one channel that was like showing the mummy on repeat, but it had um, trivia facts as you Ooh. were watching the movie. Yeah. Um, I don't know what channel does that. I don't know if it's A&E or history or something, but um, it was the greatest thing. And I probably watched it like four times in a row just to get all the facts. You know, it's what's crazy is I, I also did something like that where I think AMC was having they had this segment back when cable was way more important uh, called like <laughs> dinner in a movie where like they had that would like cook something and then also give you facts about the movie. And I, I can't remember what they're cooking. It was some sort of like really mummified version of like a pot roast or, or uh, roast beef or something <laughs> like that. And it's just a memory that's always stuck in my mind for this. And oh man, I think I might have been like twelve years old or something. But yeah, this movie—I'm so excited for that. I'm yeah. This is going to be a great one. Make sure you come back and watch that. So, or listen, whatever. Watch the movie with us and tell us how much you love it. <laughs> yeah, tell us how much you love Brendan Fraser because I miss that guy. Oh my god, I'm, we're going to go off on a full at least fifteen minutes on Brendan Fraser next week, at least. <laughs> Buckle Just up because the three-hour episode. <laughs> It is gonna be it's gonna be a great week. So uh Regan, take us out. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in, guys. Next week we're gonna discuss the 1999 movie The Mummy, picked for us by Jess. Remember, you can help select the next movie we watch by emailing the podcast at youpickwewatch at gmail.com or by liking and messaging our Facebook page, you pick we watch. You can also follow the podcast um, on any streaming platform, uh, I'm, at least that I'm aware of right now. Uh, <laughs> Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Anchor. A um, whole if, bunch of them. Do, oh, yeah, exactly. You name it. 
it's there. If you like what you hear, though, please give us a quick five-star review. It really does help new podcasts kind of, you know, get their legs under them. I'm Regan. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Author Regan Brooks. And I'm Jess. You can find me on t- at, uh, where can you find me? You can find me on Twitter <laughs> at RadMadMal. Um, and yeah, it is going to be an awesome, awesome week next week. Um, make sure you get your horses on the right side of the river. <laughs> and uh, we'll, uh, we'll see you then. All right, guys. Thanks. This has been You Pick, We Watch.